0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Literacy Advocate, or if you're listening on Writing Better, welcome back to another episode of Writing Better. Folks, if you're listening from The Literacy Advocate, I have another podcast called Writing Better. It is where writers like me talk to other writers, like my guest today, Ben, about writing so that we can become better writers. Uh, So uh, I'm very happy to introduce for this episode, Ben Gartner. He is a... Excuse me. He is an award-winning author of the Eye of Ra adventure series for middle graders. That's ages eight to 12. His books take readers for a thrilling ride, maybe even teaching them something in the meantime. Ben can be found living and writing near the mountains with his wife and two boys. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me,
1: Timmy. I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. So first question is just, when did you know you wanted to be a writer?
1: I would love to answer that, but first, if you don't mind, I could, I would like to do a little quick backstory and, um, you know, I, before we dive nope, in, I just want to give a little,
0: I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good, Thank you. Go ahead. <laughs> Keep me in line. Keep me in line. I just <laughs> want to give a little appreciation to you for doing this podcast and Aww, for all the educators you. out there listening. I know there's a lot of teachers listening. I really appreciate them. And a little backstory about that, right after I graduated from college with an English degree, I did a stint in AmeriCorps, which is like our domestic Peace Corps. Um, as a reading tutor in an elementary school with a large immigrant population, and I taught in the classroom a little bit, but I much preferred the smaller groups because teaching in the classroom was hard. It gave me Mm. an even deeper respect for teachers who do that all day, especially in these times with remote learning and hybrid and all that mess, so I just want to start by saying thanks to all your listeners who work in our schools and to you for doing this literacy podcast. Um, I'm not hugely political, but Education is something I feel very strongly about, and I'm glad we now have an educator in the White House. So go, Dr. Biden! right?
0: <laughs> yeah, so, that's awesome. Um, so to get to your cool.
1: question about my origin story as a writer, um, yeah, first of all, I'd say my story is not unique. I mean, it all starts with reading. I recently said that I can't remember the last time I did not have at least one book going. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, yeah. maybe there was a lull. Maybe there was a lull when I was a tiny baby, and my mom needed a break, but. Other than that, I've, I've always, always had at least a book or more going. Yeah. Um, in terms of writing, it, it goes back to that too. I've been writing creatively as far back as I can remember. Uh, I think it's because I really love to live in my imagination like a lot of us do. And reading is great for this and movies and then plays and, you know, but it's a story being said to me and don't get me wrong. I love that. But my own imagination often surprises and delights me. And being the creator is, let's face it, it's a powerful feeling. So, uh, I mean, it's fun. And that is definitely a theme here for me is that, you know, this writing thing has to be fun. If yeah. I ever get too caught up in something that makes it less fun, I have to remind myself that my goal with writing and reading is to have fun.
0: Sam, and, I have the same, uh, just to piggyback off of that, yeah. um, I have to constantly remind myself, like, at the end of the day, um, I'm writing for, uh, so for me personally, I'm writing for seven and eight-year-old me. Like that's who I'm right. writing for. <laughs> I'm trying totally. to make seven or eight year old me laugh or get scared or, you know, want to turn the page.
1: Totally. And, you know, it's it's not to say that we can't explore heavy topics, but, um, to me, if I'm learning then I'm having fun and, you know, I think escapism and adventure, you know, uh, is a perfectly acceptable form of fun in my opinion, and, and dealing with whatever, you know, it helps with processing and role-playing, um, you know, I'm, I do like realistic stories, but at the same time, if they're too realistic, then, you know, I, I need them to kick me out of my comfort zone and give me something fantastical to play in and exercise my imagination. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the the eye of raw. Um, so how did that story start?
1: Well, that, yeah, that, I mean, what a thrilling ride. It's fun to think back. I mean, February 1st will be I don't know when this is going to air, but February 1st will be one year since The Eye of Ra was published. That's awesome. And Soul Invictus, which is book two, is publishing on February 2nd. So next Tuesday, coming up quicker. Nice. Um, and it's been amazing. It's been an amazing adventure. And I'm so grateful and thankful that, uh, that I took that plunge and that I was brave enough to do it. And, you know, it goes back to my kids. So I have two sons. Um, I was working on an adult thriller at the time. And this was, you know, a couple of years ago or more. And I'd talk about it a little bit at the dinner table with my family, with my wife and two sons. Um, my boys were nine and eleven at the time, and let's just say the thriller wasn't exactly PG. So, you know, I could talk about some of it, but it, it, yeah, I couldn't really get into the details. And so, you know, the kids were interested because they're great readers too. They read a ton, also, so which is I'm I'm lucky and fortunate in that regard. So when I finished a draft of the thriller, I set it aside to let it stew, as you do. You know, you get some distance from it, and yeah. to fill the gap, I thought it'd be fun to work on a book with my boys. So. We sat and we plotted and brainstorm and came up with the characters and there was no, no holds barred. They just, you know, let ideas fly and um, we came with the characters and the plot together for the Eye of Ra and it was really fun. And then I, we sketched out an outline and I would go write a scene or a few scenes and then I'd read it to my eldest at night and get his reactions or, you know, that was price, priceless really feedback. and perhaps more importantly, uh, his lack of reaction, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that was very helpful too. If I could tell he was dozing off and I would like put a little note, I needed to spice it up. Um, and then also I read the full manuscript to the whole family. So it was definitely a collaboration and that's, that's really how it started was just something fun for us to do as a family. But, you know, as we got into it, I realized like we had a real book here, you know and we kind of filled a gap I thought, or, you know, in the market where, you know, our, my kids had aged out of Magic Treehouse They wanted something like magic Treehouse, but older than that, something more sophisticated and a little bit more in depth. So that's kind of, that's kind of what we did. And now we have something we can say that's ours.
0: Yeah. Ben, I can relate to that story too, because, um, so Billy the Dragon, my first book, I wrote it for my little mm-hmm. brother Tristan, who was four at the time, which I had no idea how age groups worked because here I'm writing, it became a book for second graders and he was four when I started writing it for him. But I had a really, <laughs> really smart four-year-old brother named Tristan. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, anyways, um, I, I relate so hard to that. I, I think it needs to be part of every writer's writing process to test for reactions, test your work for reactions from your target uh, audience. And be, be sure, very, yeah. very ferocious with cutting cutting up your work based on those reactions.
1: Definitely, I agree. I mean, I think sometimes, you know, speaking for myself as a writer, I can think like, wow, that's such a clever turn of phrase. I'm so clever. And then I read it to my kids and they're like, whatever, move on. keep, keep I it hear what's happened, you got, know. It's got to go. Exactly.
0: One yeah. of my principles that I try to live by is like, you. so so you've probably done this as a dad where you're reading a picture book to to one of your boys. Let's say that they're younger, you know, reading a picture book to one of them. And there's so many words on that page that instead of reading the words that are on the page, you just tell the story based on what you're seeing. Like you've probably done that,
1: right? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm laughing because um, my boys would, I would do that sometimes and they'd call me on it. <laughs> you know, yeah, like you're cheating. Like that's not happening. That didn't happen. Well, you know? like, well, so use yeah. our imagination. Come on. <laughs>
0: that's that's another th- that's another principle that I try to think about is like, what would a dad say instead of what I have written here? Because they're trying to just <laughs> keep it to the interesting parts. They don't want to read any of the fluff. Well, whatever <laughs> that is, that's what the words need to be.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. I think there. I forget exactly what it was. Isn't, isn't there a? Raymond Chandler quote about, um, you know, write the interesting parts, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Only yeah, write, exactly. the, only
0: write the interesting parts. Yeah. That's some good <laughs> stuff right there. Um, so you decided not to be traditionally published. Yeah.
1: I set up a independent press. Yeah. I have a, I have a company.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about that. Why, why'd you go that route?
1: Speed was the short answer. I mean, I, I still would like to go traditional publishing, but I was querying at the time for the thriller, which Mm I have set aside, I totally stopped that because I've been so into this middle age, middle grade age group. Um, And I knew that if I didn't get my book out quickly, I mean, if I went through the traditional process of querying and telling and all that, you know, it would take forever and my Mm -hmm. boys wouldn't get to see it out there. Um, And so that was part of the reason why I just said, "Let's, let's push it out. It was meant, again, it was meant to be a fun little side project and then it's just really taken off. So,
0: yeah. What's been the most uh, fun part of having published this book?
1: Well, one thing I realized uh, kind of, I guess it answers your question a little bit from the side, but, you know, through this whole process, one thing I've really realized is like as a, you know, looking inward on my own self and my own life is that I really realized, I really love the middle grade age group. I mean, I was writing for adults, but you know, I really love this time. And I think it's an important time of brain development. In fact, I have a whole blog post about that. I really love uh, the study of neuroscience and, you know, brain development. Um, I have a minor in psychology because I took so many, you know, child development classes in college. Um, but it was also a very impactful time in my own life. I remember that, you know, third to third grade, to fifth grade, sixth grade, like that was a very important, um, influential period of my own life. And so, and then I also, you know, remembering back to my AmeriCorps days where I was sitting, you know, with kids. I really, you know, I'm passionate about that reading development of these kids and learning. I've always said, you know, the day I stop learning is the day I die. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, plus they, they're just a ton of fun, this age group where they're kind of, they're, they can have sophisticated emotions, but, you know, they're not trapped by them. They're They're old enough to have intelligent conversations and be interested in, you know, cool things I can I literally learn from my children what you know what they're learning yeah. about Mars or whatever um, but they're yeah. not they're not jaded like us adults right
0: <laughs> yeah um, I agree and the kids, I love you know, that age group so much because they're so yeah. smart like especially okay this is probably a bad thing to say but like the age group where kids are at like peak intellectualism pre-puberty that is such a good age group
1: <laughs> yeah definitely another thing I like about them is their candor they do not pull punches yep but you know the other side of that nor do they hide their their gasps their giggles their smiles no. like yep. they get emotionally yeah. invested you know there's I no pretense
0: that. i think that's why i, that's I get so happy a good way when to a a reading to like a group of fourth graders because i'm like there's no pretense here they're not worried about well they at least to me they don't seem overly worried about whether if they think it's funny their friends are going to judge them
1: they, there's still a little bit of that but um there's still a little bit of that, of that, but it's not as much, you know, it's still nascent, and that's maybe part of it. Part of why I like age group too, is I feel like I can, again, back to my own life. I feel like, and you said it earlier, talking to yourself at that age, yep. you know, I have a picture of myself when I was that age here in my office and I like to look at it and think, you know, what, what did he need to hear at that time? What would have been helpful, you know, without going over the top, you don't want to sound like you're preaching, but um, you know, yeah. little subtle, subtle nudges and, and hints in there, I think can be helpful.
0: Ben, for the sake of writing better, I want to ask you some one writer to another questions. Okay. All right. So uh, here's here's my first one. Um, what is something that? Uh, well, here's the first one. Actually, what's your favorite thing that you've ever written?
1: My favorite thing that I've ever written. Yeah. Well, hmm, th- two things came to mind. So these are like quick fire answers. Um, yeah. The first thing that came to mind was back, you know, I never finished it, but back when I was in like third and fourth grade, I would, I was writing this story that to me, it got up to 68 pages in a handwritten journal, which to me I thought was epic, Yeah. you know, and it was about like dwarves and wizards and swords and that kind of dragons and all that kind of stuff. I was in a Dragonlance Chronicles and that kind of thing. Nice. And that probably still is one of my favorites just because it, you know, it got to 68 pages. I feel it, it was a big one. Um, but I also have to say the eye of raw, I mean, literally, because yeah. again, it's, I feel like it was this, it, it was just this well-timed serendipity of events in my life and my kids and my writing career. And, you know, I've had such great feedback from people and it's just been, um, yep. you know, I, yep. I'm literally getting chills right now thinking about it. Cause it's just been so wonderful.
0: So this question, a lot of people have a hard time answering. So it might help if I ask it this way. Uh, so the question is what, is, what would you say is your writing superpower? But of course, people have a hard time answering that. So maybe a different way to say it is, if I were to ask your kids or your wife what they think your writing superpower is, what do you think they would say?
1: Hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see here. My writing superpower. Well, yeah. I mean, I kind of... Uh, you think are already, uniquely good at. I think I already touched on a little bit is, I mean, I, I like to have fun, but I like to learn. So you'll find in these books, for example, there's a, they're based on history. There's a lot of facts in them, but I, I want to make it a fun story, you know? And I think yep. I've been, I guess I've been told and I, I like to think without getting too, you know, ego here, but <laughs> I like to think that I do a good job at, um, you know, teaching without, you know, while keeping it interesting and keeping it, uh, keeping the pacing up and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. What is the best piece of writing advice that you've ever gotten?
1: Well, the I guess I'd have to answer with it's general good life advice which is, you know, twofold it's about um, the perfect is the enemy of the good.
0: Voltaire mm, said yep, that. Yep.
1: Um, or or Steinbeck also said something about um, now that I don't have to be perfect, I can be good. Yeah. <laughs> I think that yeah. was a big block for me. I mean, I didn't I didn't write for many years and I I was an English, you know, I have an English deg- degree and I think I I put really high standards on myself. And that yeah. was crippling. So I didn't write. And I did other things for financial reasons too, because, you know, sorry, teachers that don't get paid. Um, I, I wanted to make money. <laughs> That's another <laughs> thing AmeriCorps taught me is that I wanted to yeah. make money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like but, the expression uh,
0: done is better than perfect. That's like a really dumbed down right, way of saying it.
1: <laughs> right. So I do feel that Soul Invictus book two is better in some ways than The Eye of raw, But, you know, so I'm, what I'm saying is I don't think The Eye of raw is perfect by any means um but it's good you know it, it's good <laughs> so, yep. and I think that if I wouldn't have given myself that slack then I would have never put it out you know and it it takes a huge leap of bravery to put your own book out in the world I mean if you're putting your heart out on your sleeve and you're opening yourself up to criticism you're vulnerable so it's it took me a long time in my life to get to that point. So yep. I kind of what's forgot a, the original question, but
0: <laughs> that's all right. You hit it. Uh, next question is what's a recent epiphany that you've had about your age group that you write for or recent epiphany you've had about what they like or what they like in, in writing. Um, I'm
1: not sure. I, I guess it's kind of recent, but it would, it, came to me in the process of writing soul invictus. And, and, you know, I've done a lot of reading of middle age, middle grade, age, middle grade books during this process more than ever before. And it's not that I, um, it's not that I underestimated kids of that age before, but I think I give them a lot more credit now than I ever did in terms of what they can handle and what, and what they're going through and what, you know, they're dealing with, Stuff. and especially in this time you know with COVID and everything and and the social aspects of not going to school I mean they're dealing with pretty heavy topics and yeah I think I think there's sometimes an inclination to be like oh the kids they'll shake it off but you know that stuff is like I said it was impactful in my own life so I think uh that's an I don't know if I call it an epiphany but it's an appreciation you know that I yeah I like it really come to yeah honor those those kids in that age bracket
0: yeah so we've talked about the importance of like knowing how to make your your age group laugh um so my question for you is what do you do to develop more funny stuff into your writing do you have any (laughs) things do you have any like go-to methodology or i don't know process Hmm. way of thinking
1: I do. I think I do have some humor in my books, but I wouldn't say they're, they're humor books, not like yours, you know, yours are more, yours are much more funny than mine. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: But I'm sure that you have I, humor because it's, it's, yeah. even the most serious books that I'll read will have some humor in them.
1: You got to have some levity in there. Yeah. You can't just be serious all the time. Cause that's, I mean, that's not life either. Yeah. I have a real dry sense of humor. So I think my, a lot of my jokes, um, Maybe some people miss, you know, um, but you know, plays on words and things like that. That I've heard, I've heard people comment that they they appreciate the humor in the books too.
0: Do you have any frameworks or formulas that you follow when you're writing something?
1: Interesting question. So uh, that's evolved and constantly changing. Um, with the eye of raw, I used to, I used to be a firm pantser, you know, the whole plotter versus pantser, um spectrum. I don't and know what that be, is, which now I feel yeah, like I mean, a
0: totally ignorant writer. So oh well, Yeah, the,
1: the, the plotter versus panther spectrum. So a plotter is someone who, you know, it's a shades of gray. So there's one end is the plotter and you completely outline every single detail and you have multiple page backstory for all your characters. And then you, you know, you have every scene plotted out and then you go and you, you fill out, you put meat on the bones and you make a story. Mm-hmm. And then the panther on the other side, sits down maybe with an idea they might have an idea for the ending or not but they just let their fingers flow and they just let the Mm. idea come and they kind of watch the movie in your head and you just write as you go and there's that quote about i forget who said it about um it's like driving at night with your headlights on you only see what the road in front of you but yet you're still going to get to your destination
0: right right right
1: one of your listeners can remind us who said that but uh, some (laughs) author said it yeah
0: yeah but yeah, so
1: I used to be more on the panther. Like that was the joy, of, the joy of discovery. Like I would sit down and write and not know where I'm going. And that was part of the fun of writing. But through in the process of uh, the Eye of Ra and many several books before that, not many, several, I think like two and a half books before the Eye of Ra that are unpublished, um, I realized that to write a full length novel, which is a lot of words, The Panzer approach for me requires a lot of rework and a lot Mm -hmm. of editing to the point where I, you know, you kind of, you lose track of what's happening in the story because you've edited it so many times. So with Soul Invictus, I took a much more methodical approach and I had a full outline. So I read a bunch of writing books, I mean, kind of refreshed. And one thing, one of the frameworks that I followed for Soul Invictus was the Save the Cat Writes a Novel book. And he kind of details out, called Save the Cat, he details out all of the different plot points and you know how what your word count should be at that certain um that certain plot point and that kind of thing i didn't take it to the nth degree like i didn't you know i didn't get i wasn't a stickler about exact word counts and stuff but the general guideline the general framework i outlined soul invictus a lot more thoroughly um than i did the eye of raw for the eye of raw i did i did some outlining some outlining some sketching primarily it was research based yeah what does it mean save the cat It's you can Google. It, it's called Save the Cat. It's a book. It's a he's got a framework. Save the Cat right novel.
0: Why, um, why the why the Save the Cat? Like what does that mean?
1: Oh, 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 it's well. This book is by Jessica Brody, but I think the original is yeah, based on the books by Blake Snyder. Um, let's see if I can remember. It's pop quiz time. <laughs> I think it's it's about it's about your character, and if you have a bad guy or you have someone that you know is you can't they can't be one sided. So if in a scene you show them saving a cat just something simple like that then it yeah. gives some more depth to that character even if it's just a two sentence thing showing them letting the cat in the door and then they go on about their duty that shows that they're human they have some,
0: oh
1: okay
0: I like that um yeah. Ben do you ever get writer's block
1: <laughs> I was just answering this this morning to somebody um <laughs> I like to call it writer's pause uh-huh what do you do about it I think that I think even if you're not actually writing if you're out on a run or let's say that you think you can't write right now and you go take a walk you i guarantee those ideas are still percolating in your subconscious you're still stewing mm-hmm. on it you're still working it you're massaging it so i don't i don't call it writer's block i call it writer's pause yeah i don't really i don't i don't sit down and i i don't have it happen to me where i sit down and i can't write what my problem is is i have trouble finding the time to sit down and and do it. I like to have at least like, I mean, my ideal, my minimum ideal writing time is at least two hours. Mm, And so finding two hours of uninterrupted quiet, you know, that's, that's difficult.
0: Yeah. I'm running into an issue right now where, so I've started doing a lot of school visits and um, the problem is all the schools. Yeah, that is awesome. Uh, The problem (laughs) is all the schools want me to come and visit in my writing block. Um, So Mm -hmm. I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is go to Panera get a coffee, a bagel, sit down and open my computer and write for hours. Um, well, that is all happening in the block of time where these schools are booking me and it's completely throwing off my rhythm. So that <laughs> is the closest thing that I'm experiencing to writer's block in a while where it's like, okay, my normal rhythm is completely interrupted and it's really throwing me off, <laughs> like, like really throwing <laughs> me off. It's the m- most creative part of my day.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I'm not gonna feel bad for you for all your success. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that wasn't meant to be a flex man yeah
1: that was a humble <laughs> brag right there oh i have um, no time to write because i'm such high demand oh yeah that wasn't meant to be a flex <laughs> no
0: no um but i wish school was happening at night because i'm like way more creatively dead than i hear
1: you i hear you that's that's my perfect time to write is you know in the morning too but i have a day job so i work during the day i have a family so yeah i write at nights on on weekends and sometimes mm. at night i'm just tired you know yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, weekends are good for that too. I try to take like an afternoon every weekend or something. And yeah, I'm considering and
0: becoming a five o'clocker. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can make that work with my life, but if I could, it would be great because then I then my super creative time is preserved and I can still do school visits. But yeah, anyways, enough about me. Ben, where would you like to send <laughs> listeners to check you out some more?
1: Uh, my website is bengartner.com. That's the best place to have links to there. I'm active on Twitter. Um, I do have Instagram and Facebook. I'm not as active there. Twitter's my kind of go-to. Um, Love it. And all the links to buy are all on my website too, yeah.
0: Perfect. Uh, ben, thank you so much for being on the podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. And like I said before, kudos to you for the success of this podcast. And, and thanks again to all your listeners.
0: Thanks, man.